This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, it's old Captain Scooby from Mudfish Adventures up on beautiful Lake Toledo Bend. We're doing a special podcast today with Impact Outdoors. Listen up, it's going to be entertaining. Have a great day. Whoop, whoop. He had a big laptop on the front of the console. Mine's a center console, but it was custom built. So he's sitting there in the, in the chair up front of the console. And I said, hey, John, by the way, uh, said, there's a bird up here on the right. And if you look down on your right, kind of like a <laughs> tour guide, kind of like a tour. If you look down to your right at 10,000 feet, you will probably see an island. Well, that island has a big Satchwatch footprint right on top of it. So, and I did not know. I wasn't paying attention. I was kind of watching the timber and all that. So I was guiding a boat. And I guess he picked up the laptop. And he reached over and took a picture of it on his laptop. He was doing it filming with his laptop. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't pay much attention. So we went on, we did the trip, and he went back home. So I always do a follow-up with my customers a week or two later. How do you like the trip? How can we improve? What could we have done to make your pleasant stay be better next time you come? He said, Scoot, he said, I got your, uh, your video up on, on YouTube. I said, a video? He said, yeah, I remember the Sasquatch, the Skunk Ape of Toledo Bend? Uh, excuse me, what, what are you talking about? He goes, remember that footprint you showed me? And he said, I got it out on YouTube. Man, it's going, it's making all these, <laughs> the numbers are rising. I said, John, stop. Stop, take that off of there right now. What, well, what's the matter? I said, you know how many Yahoo's going to be back there in that boat? They're going to be calling me, wanting to go see the Sasquatch area and all this kind of, I'm going to have to rope it off with caution tape. I can't do that. <laughs> you know, so uh, he finally took it off of there. There's some other stories that I could tell you that some of the, <laughs> some of the professional Sasquatch hunters come through yeah uh, I know where their I know where their camps are and when they come in and when they go and uh, so if you're ever up on the Toledo Bend area and Mid Lake area in the Apalagacho area and you hear something go that's probably Scooby back there before daybreak and it's so fat Scooby sitting there having his Danish and his coffee all right everybody thanks for tuning back in to another episode here at Impact Outdoors and and today, man, uh, I'm so glad to have my good friend Captain Scooby on the show today. Stephen Scooby up in uh, Toledo Bend Lake over here in East Texas, there on the Texas-Louisiana border. And um, 
Man, we finally got to sit down. We've been trying to get together for a while. Finally got to sit down. Let me tell you, this is one of the funnest podcasts I've done in a long time. He keeps you laughing nonstop, full of stories. Um, just has a really incredible background and in, in, in all the cool stuff he's doing right now um, with the, the fishing charter side, all the fly rods and conventional rods he's building there in his shop there in Hemp Hill, Texas, there at Mudfish Adventures. And just really um, super excited to get, you know, some more info out about Steven. So um, great conversation. Can't wait. Let's jump right in with Captain Scooby. So first of all, welcome to Impact Outdoors. Uh, Captain Scooby's here with me today, and we have been trying to do this for well over a year now. Wow. Um, we both tend to be pretty busy. Yes, sir. So and we're back here at the Houston Fishing Show. So um, good to see you again. But, you know, I wanted to have you on the show. You've got so much stuff going on over there on the big, beautiful... Toledo Bend Lake with Mudfish Adventures and your rod building stuff. If if people haven't heard about that, and uh, you know the cool thing is is um, I love fly fishing, but I never get to do it. Okay. So you know I want to have you on the show talk a little bit about that, the guide and stuff, and just kind of how you got started. I know you had to. I mean, oh my gosh, what is that? Hey, that's, I'm already busy again. There yep. goes the phone. So I'm gonna. Um, but uh, you know I wanted that. to. No, you're all good. I wanted to kind of you know see where your passion from the outdoors came from. Because, I mean, you're all in it and very dedicated to your craft and, well, and uh, make some very high-end quality products. Um, but also, like, doing a lot. Give back. You come back and helped us with Coastal Brigade this past summer and stuff. But, I mean, where did it all begin for you? The fly fishing part? Just, wow. what was your first experience in the outdoors you can remember as a kid? Uh, I guess when I was a little kid, probably 10 or 11 years old, I lived out in the country up north of Houston. And uh, one of my godparents came by and she said, would you like to go catch a flounder? I said, what is a flounder? <laughs> so uh, I was a pretty young kid, you know, big blue eyes, perky little kid. So we went down there and I caught my first rubber tire when I was <laughs> reeling it in. <laughs> I was reeling the thing in and I was, was kind of like, what is this? What is that? She said, well, you got a tire. And I brought it in. And I said, what is that? She said, no, that's the flounder. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> and believe it or not, where your facility <clears throat> was was the first pier I was on when I was that young. Really? Yes, on that property. Isn't that amazing? That's uh, full circle. Yeah, isn't that something? So when I was a little kid, I remember all the old houses back up in that area. It's like, oh, my gosh. This was, well, I hate to say this, 45 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 65 (laughs) now. So uh, it was a long time ago, but it was a memory that's locked in my brain. And then my my, kind of got into that, got the taste of the salt water. And it just kind of started growing from there, and then I got into fresh water, started doing that, just kind of hands-on. And then I got into hunting. My dad took me hunting on a deer at least one time out in Bandera, and I kind of loved that, too. So I kind of got, kind of drifted toward the outdoors with my yeah. family. It's it's easy to do here in Texas. Oh, it's, we're, we're very blessed. Yeah. My, my mind is just going crazy, all the big words I could use. But yeah, it's right. Like, it, it's hard to imagine how big this state is and how much stuff is here. Yeah. And I remember, I've, I've brought this up before, when I was a kid, I said, uh, you know, I'll never move to Texas. It's like, them people are crazy down here because I'm from Oklahoma. And so okay. we always had a rivalry with okay. Texas. Okay. No matter okay. what it was, what school you was in. Wow. And I don't I know if I'll that. ever move back. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, we're so blessed here. You just drive two or three hours one way. Sometimes yeah. five hours, and you're still not out of the state of Texas. Or Houston. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about since I lived four hours from here how the, how yeah. the traffic was. I was kind of introduced to that by the front bumper. 
uh, yeah. left and right. Like, these people are crazy down here. But yeah, uh, I know. That's just part of it's life. Uh, people just hustle bustle, but we're ready to get back home a, and slow down. It seems like we're adding about a million people a year down here right now. Is that so what it is? Okay. I don't know what it is, but it seems like it because, man. Gotcha. Okay. Jeez, it's, it's nuts. But, uh, it, it, you know, Texas offers so many opportunities um, of animals, you know, whether it's a game, you know, you're chasing on land or you're chasing on water. And uh, there's so many ways to go about that. You know, where would your passion for fly fishing come about? Well, I was, uh, you know, I used to do the kind of a tournament trail, some of the bass tournament trails for a long, long time ago. And uh, a lot of things changed. You're trying to run a company, and then you're on the side, you're trying to do the tournaments, and that was pretty stressful a lot, getting all that done and, and financing all that, too, since I was a supporter, the earner, yeah. and the house earner and all that. But uh, basically what happened uh, uh since my wife and I have been married 40-something 40 <coughs> 40 <something> years. <laughs> Can't be exact. Don't have it in the exact years. Uh, we didn't have any kids. So what we would do is we would, uh, I was looking for a long-term goal as a business owner. You're always planning further ahead. Right. So basically I wanted to look at properties where I wanted to retire in another 20, 30 years. So what we did, we went up to different lakes around the state mm-hmm. and we rented a house for the year. So when on the weekends, we'd run to the house, like Fork, or we'd go to Rayburn, or Toledo Bend, or down south, and we do that on the weekends. Yeah. So between tournaments and doing that, and then next thing I know, we, we bought a property up there on uh, Rayburn, on the north end of the lake, around Jackson Hill area, and I had some friends up for the weekend, and uh, they said, hey, can we stay for the week? I said, absolutely. The key's over there, and put it back when you're through in case you want to go back home. So next thing I know, he stayed all week and waited us to come back up the next weekend. He said, hey, by the way, I, uh, I bought some property up here already. I said, you did what? He said, yeah, we want to build a house. This is so cool up here away from the mm-hmm. hustle and bustle that we want to do this lake lifestyle. Yeah. I said, great. So I followed him over there a couple of weeks later, and we started building a house on the property that he bought over on Toledo Bend. He didn't buy it on Rayburn. A little but, bit further. Right. So with the prob- I won't say it's a problem, but it, uh, the, uh, the lake on uh, Rayburn is called a core engineer lake. Mm-hmm. which they own their waterways around the lake 20, 30, 50 feet. Well, my property was five acres on the water. Now, I couldn't even launch my boat with my own tractor on my own property because it crossed their barriers. Isn't that crazy? So I had to get in the truck every morning or evening and have Tammy take it to the ramp, and I'd launch and I'd be gone for the day, but I couldn't leave it in the water overnight. It's like, this is, this is nuts. So when I went over there to help him build his house, I just happened to come home one day, and some man was putting a sign out on on the highway of this property. So I looked at it. I come back the next week and with the wife. I pulled up in the driveway and looked at it, let her scope the whole place out just by the gate. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to go up there and make an offer. Went up there and took the man's hand, made him an offer, done deal, it was over. Wow. So that was uh, 19 years ago. <coughs> and now, uh, now we have 10 acres on the water. We have a 6,000 square foot facility there, uh, a building uh, that we run Mudfish Adventures out of. And kind of how that all started, but Toledo Bend is totally different from Rayburn as far as the terrain. Mm-hmm. The terrain on Toledo Bend is full of stumps. It's a minefield. So when you tear up like four or five boats and you take the hulls out of the bottom and the lower units off and all that, just trying to go hit these places you want to go, it's time to design a boat. Yeah. So that's kind of where the Gator Tail people came involved. They were just a new company in uh, Lowerville, Louisiana. Uh, Kyle Broussard over there, he did his um, engineering, I guess, the final paper on, on boats. And his dad had a machine shop in the oil field business. So they developed the gator tail boat with a reverse in it. No one has an outboard for duck hunting that had a reverse at that right. time. So he got the patent on that. So uh, I went to a couple of meets where they use uh, mud motor boats. 
And uh, there was one guy putting his, uh, I think it was in the Beaumont area, they was putting his boat up on the trailer, and a ship came by. Well, there's no reverse on a mud motor. They're <laughs> 1 to 1 or 1 to 1.3 to 1. So he puts it up on the trailer, and that boat went by, and it just shoved the whole boat up into the back of the guy's truck sideways. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, I don't want that without a reverse. <laughs> so anyway, I got with Kyle. So we started putting things on a blueprint, started designing things. It took about um, two years to get kind of where I wanted to do from me being in boating and captains and all that stuff. So um, called him one day, and he said, uh, I don't build bass boats. I said, okay. He said, I'm kind of busy with duck hunting right now. We're just a new company a couple of years. He mm-hmm. said, I don't build bass boats. He said, call me when the season's over next year. I said, I waited and kept working on my blueprint stuff. So I called him up. I said, hey, I'm the guy that wanted that bass boat last year. What do you think? He said, I told you I don't build bass boats. I said, are you going to be in your office tomorrow? He goes, yes, sir. He said, I'll be there at 11 o'clock. So I went there and put some stuff in front of him. And uh, next thing, the pen come out. A lot of ink went out of that pen. <laughs> and uh, signed a deal. It took him a yes. year to build the boat. And I'd go back about every three or four months and look at it. How I want it designed in the hull, mm-hmm. underneath the stringers and all that stuff. And all the extra stuff we wanted on it console at all everything's hydraulically driven and uh he got through with it he said what color you want and i said uh i want it black he goes we don't do them in black <laughs> he said we do camo we're duck hunters i said the black sounds awful good to me he said well that's another x number i said that number's fine to me <laughs> the ink come out again <laughs> it got all over that page again i said so he finally got it done and then they put it out on the uh, showroom floor out there one day they went and tested it Started taking videos of it and all. And all of a sudden, other people seen that boat. Another demand. And the demand started. Isn't that cool? I didn't know that story. Yeah. So that's (laughs) kind of how it started. So he actually took me off the website after about two or three months. (laughs) You know? And here's the cool part about it. My wife is so cool. I spend so much money, poor thing. Um, I don't know where to go with that, but I'm sorry, sweetheart. I spend all this money. (laughs) You got to pay to play. But this is what she told me. She said... All the stuff you've had and all the boats you've had, you think you need a double engine on the back of that boat? I said, no. You know, that's another X number of dollars. I don't think I need to have two engines on the back of that. Well, come to find out, she rubbed it in my face years later. She said, I told you to buy the boat with two engines to design it. So now they have boats with two engines on the back, right? Because you take a party out with three or four guys in and all the duck stuff and all the decoys and yeah. extra weight, you can't get the boat to get up and get on plane. It just kind of barges. Heck, man. They got boats with six engines and I, stuff on I know, there. I know, <laughs> but not mud motor boats. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's a different deal. So uh, they've come a long way. I think they're 11, 12 years old now. I think yeah. our boat's now about 11 years old. You see a bunch old. of them around. Yeah, yeah. Especially so. down here. Uh, but so. I was the first guy on, on Tilly to be in the have one. Yeah. And I started running around full blast with a rooster tail, that thing. Uh, I forgot to mention one thing. We did take the motor apart. I had it souped up. So we got oversized oh. pistons and cams. Scooby-fied it. Yeah, we, yeah, we uh, <coughs> I spent some more money. <coughs> anyway, but she's pushing out about 55 horses down on a carbureted engine with Harley carburetors and stuff on it. Uh. So she's screaming. So everybody knows I'm coming down the, the runway. Yeah. Wherever I'm going somewhere, I don't care if it's at 4 in the morning or 10 o'clock at night with full lights and electronics. and uh, That's pretty cool for my customers because they never get yeah. to go run in the dark. And so when I can run them out and they see the little red eyes on the bank, well, what's that? I said, that's either an anaconda snake or an alligator. You take yeah. your pick. Yeah. What? Or I didn't know snake. Squatch. Or a squatch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you uh, do live in yeah. East Texas. Hey, uh, true story. I had a guy from Illinois come in. And uh, I always scout my trip two or three days or look for <coughs> fish before, kind of like you do, right? Mm-hmm. We go look for fish for our customers. So I was out scouting around. and I was coming to an area, and it's pretty shallow, so 
I come up and I'm looking. There's a coumarin bird hanging upside down in the cypress tree. You know, he's probably about 10, 12 feet up in the air, and he's hanging on, I guess, some uh, fishing string. He's hanging upside down. He's, of course, he's passed away. Yeah. Poor, poor thing. I said my prayers, and that was the end of that. Sure you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> wink, wink. water turkeys. It was a wink, wink. <laughs> uh, so, uh, anyway, as I'm kind of idling over there, I'm looking down, and there's three little humps of, uh, I guess you just say, it's a hump in a, in a marsh. It's just kind of a flat that sticks up above the water okay. a little bit. We're probably in 12 inches of water. This boat goes in nothing of water, just about. And there's a Sasquatch footprint right there, just a pretty print on top of that mound. I said, look at that. That is, that's amazing. I hear some noises back there. I don't even know. I've been in the woods all my life. And so there's some things that I hear back. My wife won't go back there with me anymore. She said, what is that noise? What is, I said, oh, it's just some lady screaming. <laughs> and they'll go like, she'll go, what? I said, you know, I'm always, I'm always pulling somebody's leg left or right. So anyway, she won't go back with me anymore. So uh, anyway, so the guy from Illinois come in. Um, his name is John. So it was kind of muddy that day and raining and a little bit. So he had a big laptop on the front of the console. Mine's a center console. But it was custom built. So he's sitting there in the, in the chair up in front of the console. And I said, hey, John, by the way, uh, so there's a bird up here on the right. And if you look down on your right, kind of like a <laughs> tour guide. guide, kind of like a tour. If you look down yeah. to your right at 10,000 feet, you will probably see an island. Well, that island has a big Sasquatch footprint right on top of it. <laughs> So, and I did not know, I wasn't paying attention, I was kind of watching the timber and all that, so I was guiding a boat, and I guess he picked up the laptop, and he reached over and took a picture of it on his laptop, he was doing it filming with his laptop, oh, I, didn't, wow. I, didn't, I didn't pay much attention, so we went on, we did the trip, and he went back home, so I always do a follow-up with my customers a week or two later, how would you like the trip, how can we improve, what could we have done to make your pleasant stay be better next time you come, he said, Scoob, he said, I got your, uh, your video up on on youtube i said a video he said yeah i remember the sasquatch the skunk ape of toledo ben uh, excuse me what, what are you talking about he goes remember that footprint you showed me and he said i got it out on youtube man it's going it's making all these <laughs> the numbers are rising i said john stop stop take that off of there right now what, well, what's the matter i said you know how many yahoos gonna be back there in that boat they're going to be calling me wanting to go see the sasquatch area and all this kind of i'm gonna have to rope it off with caution tape i can't do that you know, so uh, he finally took it off of there. But, um, yeah, um, there's some other stories that I could tell you that <laughs> some, of the, the, some of the professional Sasquatch hunters come through. Oh, they, yeah, they, yeah, they uh, come through I know where their I know where their camps are and yeah. when they come in and when they go. And uh, yeah. I just try to keep it quiet. So here's the funny part. i gotta, I got to do this. So if you're ever up on the Toledo Bend area in Mid Lake area in the uh, Palagacho area and you hear something go, Whoa! That's probably Scooby back there before daybreak. So <laughs> you, you have all these all these bad professional bass guys that come from all over the country, right? And they're idling back there in the dark with a little green light on, a red light on, a white light. And all of a sudden you see a white light come on, right? It's a pitch dark. And I'm already back there because I'm already at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm already back there full blast right there tearing up everything, waiting on the sun to come up. And all of a sudden they hear a Satchwatch scream. <laughs> you can imagine the story that is when they go back home. <laughs> And it's so fat Scooby sitting there having his Danish in his Yeah, coffee. it's like a Major League Fishing or something over there recording. <laughs> Did you hear that? Oh, it's it's just a hoot. It is just a hoot. We have a good time with our customers and yeah. clients. You know, and Toledo, Toledo Bend's a very unique lake because it sits on the Louisiana-Texas right, border. Right, right. Absolutely. So do you have wars with the people on the other side of the lake? Like, you know, this spot is mine, even though it's on the Louisiana side. Or do you... I, there's so much territory there that they can't access with our boat that we go that needs no water underneath it but mud. 
I actually look at satellites and I actually see water further back a tree line. I will actually, <coughs> I didn't say this, but kind of. Oh, yeah, just drive back there. Yeah, just yeah, drive, but yeah. I got to yeah. I gotta cut the limbs at about eye level. I got to <laughs> just cut them off to get in there. And that's what's cool about it. We get to an area that they've never been accessed with a boat, with a skater mm-hmm. tail. So uh, that's what's cool. We see them in a different, whole different surrounding. Yeah, when there's water. When there's water. <laughs> I don't really need water. Um, we, we can get out and walk. But I, I prefer not to walk because I've seen some big snakes crawling trees. Yeah. And I've seen them little alligators. And I've been in one area. We had two guys here uh, last summer. And I said, this is a pretty alligatory area. He said, you're probably going to see one pop. It. And like on cue, it wasn't five feet. The head pops up like, whoa. Yeah. There's one right there. Guys, don't move. I'm just showing you. There's one right there. He's only yeah. like four foot or five footer. But you know, eight or ten or twelve. It's really fun when they chain, chase your topwater baits. Well, we try. I've got it on video. <laughs> we, we we do play with them a little bit. We try to leave them alone. We do. Yeah, but uh, you well, know they do. They, they sometimes they just follow you right. around. Well, um, so when the, the, the Sylvania was back there a lot. The Gators, what they would do, they just hide underneath it. They just shoot under like a submarine. They just yeah. kind of rise and get their head up, and you wouldn't really see them in there. Yeah. So uh, just like uh, like a bullfrog sticking exactly. up. Exactly. That's what so, they do. But I also knew that it was hollow underneath there because all of a sudden. I'm thinking, well, how did that gator get from here to there without disturbing anything? So I knew it had to be like a canopy. So there's a lot of bass under that canopy. Mm-hmm. Well, when they started spraying, they killed all my canopy. But yep. the canopy also is a negative because the sunlight can't get through that hard canopy to, to I guess, put fertilize and keep the grass growing yeah. and nutrients so everything yeah, dies. I mean, there's certain vegetations that you want, whether, Correct. you know, if it's a um, coontail or Absolutely. something that's native, you know, when you're talking mm-hmm. about giant salvinia and I even hydrilla, uh, you know, which is so big in a lot of lakes, man. I mean, it, it can take over an area. Correct. Y'all have water hyacinths up there a uh, lot, too? Yes, or? it comes through. Uh, we get some good current now. We had, what, five inches of rain this week. It'll kind of flush yeah. a lot of things out, a lot of things we don't want out, in and out. Yep. So uh, what's happened silting in with the silt, and then it, after two years, from what I understand reading studies, that the first year it might be able to come back if it's silted in a little bit, but the second year if it's silted in again, then the uh, our good stuff is gone. Yeah. It, it dies out. It can't survive without sunlight. So Toledo Band, I mean, everybody knows that as being a big bass lake. They have yes. a lot of tournaments on there. Yes, every day, every all week. All over. I mean, and, and, and the big the big boys oh, come. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, what are some of the other options on that lake? I mean, uh, I've crappie fished on that lake before. Right. okay. I imagine the crappie fishing is pretty phenomenal at right certain now, times right. of the year. Mm-hmm. So how's the cat fishing? Uh, that's kind of a little secret thing we do. Um Back, I'll give you the secret. Okay. I know it's just me and you talking. I'm so. slipping you a $10 bill okay. right now. Come That's on. it? Come on with the secrets. Okay, here's the secret. you got to use my weenie. <laughs> <laughs> we have a special weenie we prepare for those little catfish. But no, I'll give you secret number two. What we try to do is when, when I'm scouting earlier or late in the mornings, I see where the coomeran birds are sitting in the trees. And normally they're feeding all night long or they'll new roost in them trees. And what do you think they do? Their byproduct hits the water. Kabloop. Yep. And when it hits the water, it kind of disperses. And those catfish are underneath there getting that fish oil from all the shad and all the other things they've been eating on as a fish. And when that little pop hits the bottom under that tree, those catfish are already there. So what we do is we have an indicator. We'll, let's go back to the fly world. If I use a bobber, it's the fishing world. If I use an indicator, it's the same bobber, but it's called an indicator in the fly fishing world. It's so, so technical. <laughs> okay. Well, so you use a flip bobber, stopper, stinker, slinker. Yeah. And you put your weenie or your chicken liver or something just about a foot underneath your bobber. And we use Zebcos, 202s, 404s, 606s, depending on what kind of size they are. They could be five-pounders one day. The next day, it could be two-pounders. They could be one-pounders. Mm-hmm. They just kind of migrate back and forth. So 
throw that little, I'm going to say the captain's weenie that we make ourselves up there at the shop. We throw that weenie in there on a two-odd hook. But if you think it, a standard hot dog weenie at the dollar store, that's only a dollar package, right? You cut that in uh, four sections, one, two, three, four. <coughs> that gives you about a hot dog weenie that's about three-quarters of an inch long. Well, you put that on EWG extra-wide gap hook, a two-odd, it fills that gap up just perfect. So what happens when you throw that in the timber, it's already a weed guard. Yeah. So you can get it close to that tree and that cypress knees and all that, and you put it in there. And as soon as it hits that water, makes that noise go bloop. Guess what happens? The most aggressive, biggest one hits it quickly. Sometimes you don't even get the cork to finish uploading or right. vertical. It's just gone. It's already gone when they're there. By 8.30, it's over. I don't hmm. know where they go, what they do. I don't know if they stick their head in the mud or what they do, but hmm. you will not Probably catch another. the birds disperse by that time. Oh, exactly. Well, again, you know, we're so. doing that caw, 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 try to emulate yeah. their sounds that it don't work, so I think yeah. they run. Yeah, <laughs> you know I've heard that before. Yeah. Targeting the cormorant roosts right. and stuff, uh-huh. and, uh-huh. and um, like at um, um, Lake Livingston up here, we've done that a little bit yes. and stuff. But I've never had a lot of time to dedicate to it. But I love catching catfish, and someday I will get over there. You know, you and need and to we come up. Fishing. Absolutely. But, but we so, use that for the younguns. Yeah, yeah. If they've never been able to catch a fish or something, you can imagine a kid on a four o four, four o four, yeah, four zero zero, four o four. Push button, flip it over there for him, let him do it, and just watch that cork for a second, and it goes under. He's a high fiver after that. Yeah, it is on, baby. Yeah. So, so you do the guiding. Yes, sir. Um. Now, are all your guided trips fly fishing trips? No. I mean, I mean, you're talking about spin casts and stuff. I mean, you offer everything, I assume. I well, I always call it with the party that calls. They want a guided trip. Okay. What type of trip would you like? How can I accommodate what you're looking for? Okay. Well, we've seen your website. We've heard you through radio. We've heard you through other people. Or, so on how they get a hold of me. So, well, I have a three-year-old. I have a 10-year-old. You know, what, what can we do to accommodate you? Well, I can give you a push button for catfish in the morning. We can go to nine, 9 or 10, go for a boat ride later. The kid's attention span is not very long, as you well know. Yeah. And then we have the people all the way up that come from all over the world. Uh, as an Orvis endorsed guide, I've been an Orvis endorsed guide about, about well, I guess, like eight years How now. do you become an Orvis endorsed oh, guide? Um, this is a rabbit hole I want to go down. Really? Um, I... <laughs> No, because that's a really cool marketing plug for one thing. Well, the, but people seek you out because they do, of that. Because what happens here, and this is where I'm going to bring this back in here, that as an Orvis endorsed guide that wears their badge or their logo and stuff, their company is very tight on their guides. <coughs> if you don't meet a criteria what they're looking for, you don't make it. Okay. If you can't tie knots like the you should be tying or teaching and work with people and not be like a captain with a little, arr, arr, a little too much of that. You're not their material. Orvis goes back to the 1800s of guides. If you're an Orvis-endorsed guide, they know you're trusted, you're honest, mm-hmm. and you take care of your customers is number one. So that's some of their criteria. Awesome. So when they came from the uh, corporate office, they came down for three days. Uh, somehow they found out about me or something. There's only five guides that are Orvis-endorsed in the state of Texas, as big wow. as it is. There's only five, and I'm one of those five. And they put you in a book that goes worldwide. So when somebody, I've already had it from China, Russia, Belgium, Germany. Um, All over the place. Yeah, what happens, they'll come to work in Houston oil field as an engineer or lawyers or whatever, or they'll go to Dallas or they'll go to mm-hmm. Shreveport or whatever, and they look up this book because they know they're fishermen. Who do I trust? Who do I know to be taken care of? Yeah. They look in that book. They know it's a done deal. They don't have to worry about somebody, you know, fibbing to them, per se. I tell them like it is. Fishing's good or it's bad. They don't care. They just want to go. Yeah. But we'll work out something. That's cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, 
I'll give you my option. I shouldn't go there. I got all kind of stories, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of the, it in it. Uh, it is a um, the highest mark you could be compliment as a guide, as far as I'm concerned. By talking to a lot of guides, I mean you have really proven yourself, and uh, you're you're a stand-up guy. Yeah, that's all I can. Okay, say. Well, we can jump back to the other side now. Okay. So the types of trips you offer, you know, you're talking about the family trips and you know calling and i do that too you know you want to people are spending their money yes. which is very hard earned yes now, yes and um trying to find out what they want to do because i know a lot of guys and i'm not picking on any no, guy no, in particular but like you know this. a lot of them it's like you're just going to do what what they want to do they'll have a game plan they don't really care mm-hmm, they'll mm-hmm. just pick up and get your four and a half hours or whatever right. and then you go back to the dock so yeah. i don't do that you're going to reach out and ask them Oh, I start straight up. You know, who's coming? And ask them their weight. And they say, why are you asking my weight? <laughs> well, my gator tail is designed like an airplane, a small Piper Cub. You know, if you got somebody with so much weight, I need him on one side of the plane to put the cargo on the other to balance the boat out. Because it's, it's, it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I can't have somebody in the boat that weighs 700 pounds, 600 pounds. The boat won't get up on plane. So that limits how far my range can go. Yeah. So if I can't get the boat up on plane, he's not going to have a great trip. Because I can only go so many miles slowly because the right. engine will heat up because it's just too much weight to push. That's why the wife said, I told you to buy that twin engine. <laughs> you could really get up and fly. You'd have two, <laughs> two rooster still tail. Order one. But anyway, it didn't happen. <laughs> so um, that, I always kind of check that out. And yeah. the other thing, I get their skill level. Um, have you fished in Colorado you know, for trout? Have you, done the, have you done the fly thing? Or you've done knot or uh, conventional fly, whatever, push mm-hmm. button. What do you prefer? So when they already know that, so I already know their limitation, how far they can cast. And then, you know, what species have you caught? And they tell me. And we just on after that. It'll be like a 30-minute conversation. Yeah. And I might even do a follow-up a couple of weeks later before they come. Say, hey, is everything okay? Yeah. This is my game plan. This yeah. is the fish that we're on right now. Is that okay with you? Weather may change before oh, you absolutely. get here, that kind of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. But I'm so. pretty well straight up with people. If I'm not catching and, I've, you know, we've had five inches of rain, I'm backing people off. I'm yeah. not taking anybody for a week or two. I just, I can't. But yeah. some people are locked into their vacation. They're coming anyway. And, and this is the unique thing about being a guide. It's not about the fish after you learn mm-hmm. to be a guide after a while. It's about the outdoors and getting them out there and seeing something different. Yeah. Uh, I'll take a lot of people older than me in the 70s and 80 range. They tell me they just want something different. They just want to go out yeah. for the day. If we catch some fish, fine. If we don't, fine. But, boy, when you get them on it's, them, it's high five. And, and it's it's very true. I was talking about that here at the fish show with the buddy mm-hmm. yesterday. You know, I mean, I ran a trip last week, and I'm not going to say what happened, but I got a text from the the guy who booked the trip with me at like 11:45 that night before. Before, wow. And so I was like, I woke up and Nervous. I was like, man, I was like, oh, is he canceling yeah, or yeah. What, what, something sure. happened? I checked it and um, basically, you know, said something about um, you know something that happened to somebody they knew. Um, that was very close to his oldest son that was coming and the guy didn't make it and um you know so i got that landed on me you know at midnight you know and i'm getting up in like four and a half hours to go meet them and uh you know so i'm like okay i'm not gonna bring anything up or whatever but no we don't it's not i really tried to make him have a great day and i mean we weren't out 45 minutes and he caught the biggest fish he'd ever seen in his life okay and oh, he still went on the trip. He didn't cancel. Oh, yeah. He yeah. just let you know it's it's a sad yeah. day. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just seeing the smile on that kid face yeah. made me feel oh, a little kids, bit better. Oh, wow, that's huge. huge. You know, kids and, are huge uh, with me. So you know, and I've had several. You know, you've had the same thing happen. Sure. I'm sure. You know, some. You know, and um, <laughs> you get these people that come out, and you know, I had a guy a couple years ago. 
come out and, and they had booked this trip like a year in advance and you know they told me they wouldn't tell me anything but he was he was dying oh of cancer. whoa that's a load and that's the last thing he was going to be able to go do come on with his wife and their his best Dude. friend guys Derek is kind of tearing up and right I, now I didn't, I didn't know that um really what the uh, i just knew something was up and then right. they told me when we were out there right because he's taking all this medicine mm-hmm. and all this stuff and and uh and we had one of the best trips ever you have to you, you know, gotta push through, and you don't and just quit. Stuff push like through. that, and that's not the only. Right. I mean, there's tons of stories, no, and I'm sure we, you can we, uh, bring some. We all too. got them. Yeah, we all got them. Well, we cherish that too. Yeah, we cherish every day we in our boats with our customers. Yeah, you know, they're not so, customers; they're family. That's fun. I don't even say a customer. Um, and, and you're always going to have some that you know they're just they're just there, and just because somebody wanted to go, and, and you can't please everybody. But man, I, I I know you work your your butt off trying to to make sure everybody has a great trip, and and you've got some other things in the works, some possibilities like I think doing some kayaking and stuff. Oh yeah, up. we've uh, I just see an opportunity with the kayak thing growing so much. It's just I'm limited with two people when I take them out because the boat space and right. the, and the horsepower and also why don't we do something where we can get an aircraft carrier like a pontoon boat. Yeah. And put people on that and drag four kayaks behind it and go to the backcountry where we would go with these shallow boats and, and introduce them to the backcountry in their own kayaks. They, that's what they want to do now. So right. we bought a, we didn't, anyway, we acquired mm-hmm. the Hoodoo brand kayaks that are okay. robo-moated kayaks. Super popular right now. So they, we have pedal drives. We have fin drives on pedals. We have nine footers, 10 footers, 12 footers, six different models there at the shop. So we're trying to set this up now. We just got the boat back in. We're trying to get it wrapped and all, trying to get ready because the water's so cold now. Yeah. It's, I don't want to chance somebody out there. We've This is a bad note, but we've already lost five guys in the last three weeks on Toledo Bend. Wow. From hypothermia coming out of a boat. Yeah. And okay. it don't take much. No, no. They had life jackets on. Think yeah. about that now. But they couldn't get anywhere. They were holding onto a tree or something because nobody mm-hmm. could see them. It's a rough lake. It's 85 yeah. miles long. Yeah. Not everybody crosses in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're trying to dare across and you hit something, you come out or put a hole in your boat or it sinks, mm-hmm. there's nobody out there to save you. you got to slow down on Toledo. Yeah, that's crazy. But, uh, but that's going to be a new adventure for you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Oh, I forgot one good thing. What's that? You know, Boyd's a pretty good cook. Yeah. And um, kind of so-so I eat. I'm on the other side of the cook table. So uh, we're going to have a grill put on that. Oh, nice. So we're going to be doing... Uh, so you're going to have Boyd, your buddy Boyd Bishop on the boat yep, cooking? Yep, yep, <laughs> So we will actually have the mothership plus the gator tail back there as a support as a safety yep. boat. So when we take everybody out, we'll have a, a emergency boat in case we need something. That's a cool idea. And then, uh, and cook. What if I hear, yeah. you know, the old Western days, you got that little triangle, ding, 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 yep. ding, ding. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What if, what if you hear that? drives me flying back yeah, to yeah. them. No, so we could have grilled shrimp. Yeah. We could have fajitas on there. Yeah. Chicken fajitas with all these special spices and stuff we're fixing to come up with. We have our own brand of spices fixing to kind of get helped on here. I can't tell you about that yet. That's, Uh-oh. that's yeah. another page. Let me turn that page. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, page 30. <laughs> yeah. no, another that's, goal. That's a, I mean, that's a cool deal. And that's yeah. kind of a, an all-encompassing trip right there, you know, and, and stuff. And I assume y'all have, I mean, there's a lot of 
There's a lot of lodging opportunities over there for people if they want to come oh, yeah. stay yeah. with you and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all are close to like Fin and Feather and, yep. and all that stuff. And, and they just spent another three million redoing all that. So yeah. that's pretty cool. That's down towards. The What's funny when we met last year, uh, we were talking. And I seen and said Hemp Hill, Texas, on the yep. and most people probably wouldn't know where the heck Hemp Hill, Texas yep. is, but that's where I've been uh, in that area doing a little uh, feathered yep. animal hunting here the last four or five years and stuff and come find out you live right there so man now i got a place to yeah, crash yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have the hole upstairs you know get its own half bath you know no water <laughs> yeah, all right it's good yeah, i'll just that. pretend like we're the cormorants out there there you <laughs> go no it's just, it's just so much to do up there we have lodging up there a lot of things are happening uh i will go back to one thing people don't know where toledo ben is it's on the as you go up the state of Texas on the right side from the Gulf all the way up north to Oklahoma, there's a little squiggly line. That's Toledo Bend. It's yeah. a dividing lake between Rayburn, I mean, between uh, Texas and Louisiana. It's 85 miles long. And if you could re- go back 20 years or so, the space shuttle actually landed in our lake. The engines fell in our lake. And I have guys that were guiding it that day, that day that happened, uh-huh. the noises that they heard coming through the sky. I was fishing that day too. Oh, I you were, the, were you in that area? I seen it. I seen. Well, we were up in southern Oklahoma fishing on uh, Mountain Lake, and oh, wow, uh, we just seen some shiny stuff in the sky. Okay. And then heard about it uh, about a couple hours later. Okay. You know, the, uh, the, all the pieces that came down in Texas, and that's nuts. That's up. Uh, but we have a museum in town. I don't know if many people know that. Huh. We actually have. Uh, you can go there and pay for like so much to help help to support the facility. Like an hour and a half, two hour walk through with all the pictures and all the right. local guys that helped and all the neighbors that opened their homes up for the NASA people and, and hmm. the law enforcement and parks and wildlife guys. Everybody came in there. Everybody donated four-wheelers, any kind of thing to walk through the woods side by side to pick up parts. Yeah. And uh, they probably didn't get it all, but they got all the main stuff that they needed. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So if you ever come to Hempel, right in the center of Hempel, there's a NASA museum right there that has all that stuff. Yeah, we'll have to go do that. When I yeah, it's really cool. I didn't cool. know that. Yeah. It'll make huh. you cry, guys. It'll, that's, that's a, it'll, that's a, a, a cool little nugget to heart, remember. Heart jerker. So, yeah, but, I mean, it's part of the history of that program. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, awesome. Um, God, there's so, so much what, to talk about. We didn't what, even talk what, about um, fly fishing yet. Jeez. Yeah, and if we're getting ready to get into that. I'm sitting here looking at the pictures you got open over here. But So you got this 6,000-square-foot facility, oh. you know, and, and you got – Let's talk. Let's jump right okay, into the, okay. to the. You know, you're big on fly fishing stuff, but okay. you're here at the fishing show to sell fishing poles and fly rods right. that you make. Right. Well, the, what happened? I was fishing, kind of a tournament kind of thing. I was way back in Polygotch where I fished there for 17 years, fishing this one area because I get, didn't have any pressure with these boats. Right. Well, I'm doing the old bass thing: flip up there, flip up there, go real fast. Well, guess what happened? When I'm flipping a jig and pig, that weighs an ounce, three quarters of an ounce. When you think about it, when you drop that into a swimming pool, how fast that drops. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? As soon as it hit the water by this big cypress tree, I couldn't even put my hands around it. The big swirl came and the big flash of a big something, like a big striper. Yeah. The stripers don't go that far. Yeah. So it had to be a big black bass. Yeah. He missed it. So the idea was, I'm going too fast. You need a big bait that goes slow. <coughs> so I got into fly fishing. I went and got in some of the clubs in Houston. And I said, how do I tie a fly? How do I get the fly there? How do I deliver it there? How do I retrieve it? How does it work? How do the dynamics work? So there was a gentleman there that was a certified instructor that just happened to be in my town in spring when I lived in spring. So he said, yeah, come on over. I'll teach you everything. So I went over there. The guy was very nice to me. He took me under his wing and showed me everything he knows. 
and then uh, just started fly fishing a little bit and got mm-hmm. with some flies and guys and people would donate flies to me and I started throwing them and starting to happen. Just imagine a girl in a swimming pool and she's got 12 inch long hair with a hook on the very front of it. So when it's falling through the water, what does that hair do? It just goes all over and yeah. it, it gives a bigger picture of a bigger fish, but there's really nothing there. It's kind of like a hamburger with a bunch of fluff in it. It's not really a bun, it's a fluffy bun. It's a double cheeseburger with no Well, meals. I could say a brand name, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> anyway, but think about that minute. So now I'm in his face a lot longer with a bigger profile bait that's not falling out of the sky. It's just sitting there in front of him. Well, he's a predator. What's he going to do? He yeah. don't have hands. So he's going to have to put it in his mouth to see if it's food or non-food before he spits it out. That's where the fly thing came in. So now we started two and three inch flies. Now we're up to 12 inch flies. And why 12 inch flies? All right. You want to give a story on a 12 inch fly? Yes. Okay. I've already broken eight fly rods. Eight. Personally broken eight fly rods because I couldn't hold them. What does that tell you? They don't have enough meat in them for me. Not strong enough. Okay, as an engineering background for heavy equipment and electrical troubleshooting, that's my background for 40 years, make your own. I went to Tackle Unlimited, got with the guys over there. They showed me how to make a few rods, did their classes, and they have free classes. I think they do a couple of classes a year, have to get with Tackle Unlimited here in town, Mm -hmm. and uh, in Houston, and they will run you through that. So anyway, Kenny Murph helped me on that, and we started designing rods. And then we started taking downrigger rods, which has a lot of backbone and right. has a lot of bend to it, parabolic bend. So I started cutting them down until I got the fly rod to work properly. It took eight years to do that. Wow. Kept cutting them down, cutting them down to make. So now we have a seven foot six fly rod that I can put both hands on. It's winch- short for industry standards. Exactly, very well set. But now I can put both hands on that handle and try to break <coughs> the rod. He's coming out. I'm using 30 pound line ticket on the end of these 12 inch flies. Now, yeah. now you asked why 12 inch flies. Why 12-inch flies? Good answer. Good question. <laughs> I had some trophy hunters come up this summer, this last summer. They wanted me to take them out in the backcountry, and they were throwing 12-inch swim baits for bass. I learned a lot that day. Yeah. Nobody throws a 12-inch swim bait for bass. Except will, on Toledo Bend. That's on Toledo Bend. So when we had 135 10-pounders, 135 over 10 pounds in the last five years, of course, that number's been coming down since the grass is gone. Yeah. If we could catch a 10-pounder plus on camera, that would be huge on a fly rod. Mm-hmm. So, Southwest Fly Magazine came in last year. I did a three-day shoot with Southwest Fly Magazine. You want to hear the story? I want to hear the story. Okay. we have time? We have plenty of time. Oh, good. Okay, here's the story. we got four more hours to go. Okay. We're going to turn this into Joe Rogan's Does that podcast. come with lunch? Okay. <laughs> I'm out. We can order okay. pizza. <laughs> so, they, they came down. Uh, the gentleman <coughs> was writing an article, and then he brought a professional caster with him. So we went out on day one, we did some shooting, filming, and we didn't catch much. So we went to another area the second day, and uh, we went out to an area closer to the main lake, a little clearer water. We're still in two foot of water, and uh, we're casting these uh, certain flies. I'm not going to say because I don't want people throwing them because I haven't got my 10-pounder yet. <laughs> so long story short, I had them tied on our short flyers. I had them on the side of the boat, and the other guy had um, a store brand, let's just say, up front. He was casting, gave him the fly. Nothing happened. So all of a sudden, at the back of the back of the boat, the cameraman film crew, and I, I kept hearing this like a Nikon digital camera going click, 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 click. You know, I try to give him my good side. <laughs> click, 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 you know, shirt tail in and all that. So uh, all of a sudden, it got quiet. I just happened like something's wrong. So I turned back to look, back at the engine compartment back there, and he picked up one of my short flyers with my fly on it and threw over by a cypress tree. 
with the camera in one hand and my short flyer with a fly rod like you were doing yesterday, you just kind of roll cast it over there, right? Well, what do you think happened? The hood of a 72 pickup, five foot around circumference, (laughs) just exploded on that fly. Just like a tarpon, just ate a big shad. Boom. Mm -hmm. And I look back and I said, set, set. He looks at me like, what? Set the hook. Don't just lift the rod. You got to pull over your left hand. So he had this expensive camera in his left hand on his shoulder stuff, right? He drops it on the on the shoulder strap. Just drops the camera, and it held by the shoulder. So then he puts the hand back up on the line, starts stripping the line. Well, he got the fish to turn, come to him, and I said, "Set, you know, set, strip, set it." Yeah. Like you would a tarpon. You got to get into that bone, get that seven odd hook, mm-hmm. seven odd hook in his mouth. You got to get through that bone. He didn't. So by the time he caught up with the line, he's coming at the boat. He's about 25 feet out. All of a sudden, he gets pretty close to the boat, sees the boat, and sees this fat, jolly rancher guy up front. <laughs> and he went back toward the engine. Well, then the line got tight. Now, he's looking at me. I said, what do you say? I can't keep saying set, set, set. Yeah. And the fish got turned for the load of the rod got on him. So he turned around and come right by the boat, two foot from the boat. The full length of the boat went off to the bow and kept going just like a tuna. Yeah. And the fly pops out. Bloop. And he looked at me, and he was just flabbergasted. Like, man, I said, well... <laughs> There, that was a trophy, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Was the recorder on? Um, <laughs> I, I think you couldn't. <laughs> I don't want to explicit spit all those hashtags and hash marks and joke marks. And anyway, so it, you know, we all just got quiet. You know, you've been there. I've had that experience. You just you can't say anything. You already know you let everybody down, but you shouldn't even have been cast, and I shouldn't even say it that yeah. way. But, dude, your job is to do this job. We yeah. need this job as a team, as a crew, to make things happen. Yeah. Anyway, so the next morning we had another day of shooting. He comes in and says, Captain, I said, yeah. He said, I'm really sorry about yesterday. I said, no, there's no, I'm fine with it. What do you mean you're fine with it? I would have put you at the top of the elite of all bass fishermen if we could have got that in as a guide on the Orvis stuff and all that. I understand that, but I'm kind of glad you lost it. Well, what do you mean by that? He was flabbergasted. I said, well, as a guide, I can't put people on fish like that every day. We went trophy hunting. You had your shot. Mm-hmm. You weren't ready. It's just the way it is. You know? Yep. You just you were at the right place, the right all the stars lined up, everything lined up, but we just weren't ready. So I'm okay with that. So I didn't say anything more. They wrote the article. The article came out, came out last year, and uh, I never got a copy. I didn't hear the result if he landed it. I didn't want to hear the story. I didn't want to hear anything about it. So matter of fact, in the show in Mesquite, we just got through a couple. Some guy comes up. He said, "You're that guy." <laughs> um, what do you mean? I'm that guy for what? I read the article about out of so-and-so magazine i said yeah i said uh, you want to hear the real story i told him the story before he ever told me and i said what did the story say he said just about what you said he didn't land it he didn't catch it i said that's good that's an honest writer there you go so there you go just be honest with people and let it be a story and it's a true story <coughs> that you can never deviate from that yeah and that's the way to but that's a, tr- a fish of a lifetime it just that always happens it's kind of yeah. like you're deer hunting and you take your eyes off take a slate and you look back and he's standing there how did he get there you don't know how did he get there mm-hmm that's Mother Nature's way of protecting yeah, herself. Yeah, I hooked my biggest bass with my grandmother in the boat with me. Wow. On a little uh, popar topwater bait. Yep, yep, they were. for uh-huh. smallmouth. Okay. Oh, smallmouth. Well, like, yeah, I was trying to catch some smallmouth bass. Okay. and uh, Or whatever, but that's what I was hoping to catch. And same thing, just a bowl of water disappeared yeah. next yeah. to the boat. Right. And this 13-plus pound bass come belly 13? flopping out of the water oh, i mean right next dude. to us i yeah. mean it was six feet from us yeah yeah you seen it you and uh boop. i mean the yeah. little, that little top bar got tiny treble hooks yeah. on it and um i was like there it was there it went 
I got the I got the mental picture still know, in my I head. I got okay. I'm going to give you a mental picture since you say that. <coughs> you know a place called Gros Chavon in Louisiana. You ever heard of that? I've place? heard of it. It's Disneyland for the Bass Pro professionals. Well, they're an Orvis and Doors Lodge also. They invited me and Tammy to come down and set up a fly organization to learn how to fly fish on those trophy ten plus trophy lakes, yeah, ponds, lakes, whatever. So we go down there. They take care of us. We go look at all the ponds, all the whole setup, stay in the lodges, do all that. So I go back with a whole arsenal of duffel bags of flies, all my heavyweight rod stuff. So we go out. They put the drones up. We do some flying around. They have the drones taking pictures of me catching. And he says, Scoob, you need to uh, keep moving. I said, what do you mean? I said, I got a spot. I want to keep working with this fly. No, keep moving. The drone can't just sit in one spot. <laughs> so we kept going. So nothing happened that morning. So the next morning, we went back out again. And... uh I was fishing. I said, man, they're just not hitting these flies. I'm trying all kind of flies, different cadences, big flies, small flies, poppers, underwater stuff. I said, what is going on? I know this place is loaded. So I went, hmm. I built two custom rods for the lodge here to leave when I left, right, for the thank you for taking care of us. So I went back and got one of them, and I put a wacky worm on it. <laughs> <laughs> I wacky worm 20 feet, had seven fish in the boat in 20 feet with a wacky wow. worm. Don't you think those fish are still there? Yeah. They're everywhere, right? Yeah. It's a, tr- it's a trophy place. All of a sudden, I hear big center console running. And I'm looking back, and all the marsh birds are coming off the marsh, right, <laughs> over this levee. What is that noise? Here comes around the corner the biologist for the facility. <laughs> and he pulls up and says, well, how you doing, Captain? I said, well, I got seven in the box. Seven? He said, get them out of that box. I said, I just wanted to show you that. I'm catching. He said, we know they're here. What, did you catch them on a fly? And that was... I really let him down because I didn't have a fly rod in my hand. I was there to understand how the flies work. He said, look, he said, we've had fly guys come in here before. We can't catch them on flies. That's why we called you in. Well, I understand. So he said, get, I'm going to get in your boat. I'm going to put the power poles down in his boat. Got in my boat. So I'm going to go in this little corner here. There's a good little spot. I'm going to take you in there. I throw over there. Nothing, nothing, nothing. He takes my wacky worm rod, throws it. Pew, pew, hits one. Bam. But he reeled real fast, like an eight to one. I mean, he was going fast, boom, 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 with that wacky worm. You don't run a wacky worm like yeah. that on top of the water. Pop, 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 pop. Boom. He said, throw your fly in the ground. Throw another fly in there, nothing. Throws that wacky worm in that lane, catches another one. He just, it just went off like four or five times. I went, this is crazy. He said, I know. We don't understand why they won't hit a fly. So he said, we got one more spot. It's, the sun's going down. And I'll try to end this real short. I throw this big popper fly over there, pop, pop. One comes up on it, like you said, a five-pounder blows up on it, comes out, and it throws the bait, lands on the lily pad. So it's getting dark. He said, well, hit that little point over there with the lily pads. Derek, I'll never forget this. Dropped the fly in there just perfect, right next on the point, on the furthest one out on the point. All of a sudden, the lily pad disappeared (laughs) with a vacuum of a swirl. (laughs) And then the frog followed the swirl under the water. And my eyes are going, oh, my gosh. You know the mouth it would take to suck the lily pad and the fly? He was going for salad and the main course. Everything. And I said, wow. He goes, we got some big ones in this pond. <laughs> I was, I didn't know what to say. So I went back to the room. So we went out again the next morning, the third, third day of the, of the deal on that one. He says, well, you ready to go out and do it? I said, I think I'm going home. He said, why are you going home? I said, I've seen all I'm I've seen all I can see, and I said, I know the problem. He goes, what? I said, look at my cooler. There was a crawfish in there bigger than a dollar bill. 
they're eating huge crawfish in black and red. Mm -hmm. So what do you think I'm doing with those flies you see in my shop over there today? I'm going back there with monsters. We're going to change the whole game. Yeah. They want something as a competition. They're there, but if you just do a normal spinnerbait or something, that's not fast enough. You got to throw out there and double haul that would put that rod under your arm and, and go fast. They want the speed because they got to outrun the other five guys that are there ready to eat too. Yeah, that's <coughs> that's amazing that's, what that's, you that's learn. Uh, yeah, I mean basically feeding school and fish. I guess, exactly. That kind yeah. of mentality yeah. from their yeah. side. They don't move unless there's something running across <coughs> away from them. Right. Not <laughs> just sitting there dropping a worm on. They've seen it a thousand times. That's crazy. So that's why we do the fly thing a thousand times. They've never seen. Yeah. So our odds are better to get a more trophy fish. Man. Shoot. Well, um, I know there's so much to talk got, about, isn't it? It's crazy. You know, is if there's a, what's been your favorite part about being in this industry over however long it's been since you've really been 40 doing years. This? I mean, I've been just doing this 40 years. I mean, looking back at that now, I mean, you, you got so much coming up, which is crazy, um, that you're working on, but. You know, up to now, what's been your favorite part about this? The people, the Meeting people industry. in the industry, mainly, um, and, and, and teaching the young fellas. You know, they come up, and, and, and working with the high school teams, like Boyd and his son and stuff. Yeah. When, when you're down by the water's edge, you're just trying to show them some new things. When a kid comes up to you and says, can you show me how to put this worm on this? No one taught you that? That's really mm -hmm. a, somebody taught me when I was back there, so I pass it on. Yeah. You know. Somebody hasn't taken the time for that young man to have somebody teaching. Maybe he doesn't have a grandfather. Maybe it's a single parent home. I, I run into a lot of ladies that bring their kids to these little functions, and they don't have a dad. Yeah. So I'm the guy that reaches over, and I get on my knees, level eye to eye, and, <coughs> hey, how you do this? And I'm going to grab one of my expensive fly rods, and I'll let him cast it. I don't care if he puts it in the mud. I know a guy that can fix them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hey, that's something he'll remember for a long time, just like you remember your first turkey hunt, your fishing trip. They remember this old fat guy, Captain Scooby, come over and show him how to throw a fly rod. He can take that fly rod anywhere in the world now and catch anything he wants to once he has the basics down. Yeah. That's what's cool. That's that's my whole game right there. That's awesome. That's all That's, that's awesome. all I do. That's why yeah. I come to help you in, in the brigade. Yeah, and I, and I really appreciate it. And I think everybody had a lot of fun. I mean, oh, you yeah, know, I learned too. brigades and stuff. And, and uh, um, we had a good little team there with uh, you and the old buggy whipping and, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, Captain Stacy and yep. stuff. And yep. can't wait till this year. Yeah, um, we all but, are. Uh, and then we're, you know, we got a little adventure playing this summer. I think you're going to hopefully be going with this diecast. Oh, I can't so wait. that's going to be a wait. blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be learning even more. See, it's another page I even open. <coughs> yeah, uh, our book, our pages are so full every day. So, um, but man, I'm glad we got to jump on and do this for the show started today. Why don't you let everybody know? Um, social media, website, all that stuff where they can find you if they want to come fishing with you or get a rod built or if they're local. I mean, you're doing repairs and everything over we there. We do repairs on all, all different brands since we know the dynamics <coughs> about that. We have a, let's go back to shop just for a second. The shop is uh, uh, 6,000 square feet. Most of it's for a building, different things. But we have a showroom uh, that I actually sit there and tie rods myself and fix rods. It's a 20 by 60 room. It's all custom built wood. And I, as you walk in the door there, we have rods on the left side that are bass rods, fly rods, so on and so forth. As you walk down, we have beginner fly tying tables. They're all on custom tables. We have six stations there um, that you can come in. And if you look behind you, I have a 500-book private library on the wall. Nice. Of flies, tying, 
So I've got books from all over that people have been donated, people that passed away want me to have their collection and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I've been collecting books for years and years. So when a kid comes and wants to do a yellow grasshopper, I go pull the yellow grasshopper book off the wall. We sit down and we show him how to tie that yellow grasshopper. So he learns how to tie his own fly. Now he learns, knows how to build his own rod. We do rod building classes on the same tables. And uh, we're going to be hopefully doing a podcast with you up there since we get our equipment in yep. there. We do a podcast out of that. We also have uh, a ladies section. We build special rods for ladies that are shorter shorter butt section so that when they cast it they're not using their husband's rod and beating themselves all up with a longer butt section we have some that are like six inches long off the reel so they're not yeah. really hurting themselves uh, yeah. we learned that in the guide business these to build the equipment that we use in our guide business and you're using um bill crowl so if you follow this oh, podcast yes. oh, you I'm know glad you bought that up. mr bill from the turkey calling right. world is, yeah. is hooked up with you now yes uh, well and i want quality products he builds quality products so use his expertise of so many years way 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 back Yep. So we're in water just like he is with his wood and duck calls. So now we've added the wood uh, handles to our high-end rods. Yeah. Uh, rods you can afford. I shouldn't say high-end, but we say a little bit more. Well little made. Book. Yeah. Well Here made. we go again. There goes the phone oh, again. Man. It's like a third one. Yeah. Right. Um, so. But, I mean, you're, you're making them where, I mean, these are custom fit. I mean, you were right. showing me yesterday the handle the handle sides and, and all that. So, um, I mean, you got to get a fishing ringtone or something. That's, uh, that's crazy. Well, so, when you're in the supermarket, my wife hears that phone go off the other end. You know, <laughs> uh, she knows it's me. But, uh, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's. Uh, I think he was using cottonwood for a lot of the handles. Yes, and yes, stuff, and, uh, and that takes two and a half years to dry. Yeah. So that wood has been cut off a tree at the base where a fork comes out. That's a rotten piece of wood. So it's got to dry completely. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mr. Bill does his magic. And then when it comes to my shop, we finish it up, make it fit everything. Yeah. And we do more magic to it. We're really very nice. And uh, hopefully they'll last for a long time and you can pass these rods down. We build quality. That's yeah. really, really stress. I build yeah. quality. I don't just throw a rod out there as a, I do 20 or 30 of them. No, we don't do like that. We yeah. Customers come in. And here's the cool part. They'll see all these little parts from Bill on my work tables. And I've had people come in and go, Hey, you built some rods for me for it. Yes, he said, what is that? I said, that's a new rod. There were a new design. He goes, I want that handle. Build me that one on that handle. Okay. I got to pull it off the table, and I'll build a rod for him. And he'll bring a buddy in. Next thing, he wants that handle. Yeah. And next thing, they just start to build. And then yeah. it just never ends. So my my life is just going <coughs> one way. It goes another way. And of course, they want them before they go on their trip to Colorado or the Bahamas or, right. or they want to go catch peacocks in Amazon. I've got to build something heavy enough and quality enough they'll be proud to take on, on a plane. Yeah. Cool. Well, where can they uh, where can they find out about you? Oh God, Moses! Do I have to give the number? I mean, you're on Facebook. Well, you see the phone already going. All right, uh, we have a one eight hundred number, which is the eight hundred numbers are full. So we we we're able to uh, to secure a one eight four four six eight three three four seven four. And I'll repeat that again. It's a one eight four four six eight three three four seven four. Or you can call me on my mobile at seven one three. Should I do that? Yeah. Okay. My mobile is 713-825-8464. Uh, that's my mobile. And then uh, I also have Boyd. He works in the shop there, too. He kind of keeps everything going when I'm not there. His number is 713-679-1393. Those are two mobile numbers and the main number. Yeah. Uh, we, we do bass rods there. I'm just kind of go down my little sheet here. i got bass rods. We have fly rods that we build, 8 weights, 10 weights. Uh, short ones, we build fiberglass rods now, uh, three weights, four weights, five weights. We build custom ladies' rods. So so when the lady comes in, we will actually fit that rod to her arm. So we have rods there. We can slide the cork up and down on the handle. So when she comes to my shop, I will actually fit that like a shotgun. Okay. That is made for her. That is her gun. Oh, her, her gun, listen to me. That is her fishing gun. 
mm-hmm. so she can go catch she's her fish. She's these flies out there. Yep. So uh, we have rod building classes there. We do about once a month when we have enough people that want to do it. We have beginner and intermediate classes for, for rod building. Some people have done it a couple of times. They want to learn some different thread work around the eyes. We, we'll do that with them. We do the fly casting instruction. Unless you go back to the first part of the segment where the guy has never done a fly rod and wants to learn how. Uh, we have, like I said, 10 acres on the water. So we walk down. We'll get a rod off the rack walk down to the water's edge and we'll do some casting instruction on the water right there. So I'll know if he has a fast swing or a slow swing. So I'll get a different rod blank for him to make his casting easier that the mm-hmm. rod will do all the work. So we kind of tailor that. Uh, then we do the backcountry safari trips that are fixing to come up to the kayaks. That's fixing to happen here next month. But uh, with the water being so cold, I really don't want to put people in kayaks and take that chance of safety. Yeah. And uh, so that's all. I mean, that's just some of it. I, I could just keep going here. And they can check out some of that on, uh, was it mudfishadventures.com? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, correct. Mudfishadventures.com. And you're on Facebook. Facebook. I try to just keep it on Facebook. I could do Instagram and all, but I'm one guy trying to do all the media stuff and try to work. <coughs> And guide is just a lot. Suck it up, Buttercup, and get I me. Mean, you need TikTok. You need you need well, you need to be tweeting some little tweets. And there you go from East Texas and uh, um, all that good stuff. But man, uh, thanks for being on. Scooby. Wow, I appreciate um, it. I'm this bad. was a lot of fun. I learned some new stuff about you. I didn't know. Wow. And, and I'm still looking forward to get up and go fishing with you. Um, and we got a few minutes here for the show opens today. But uh, another beautiful day at the Houston fishing. I mean, what? Was this 46, 47th year? 47th, I think, annual 47th fishing 47th annual. And this is one of the biggest, probably, probably for the United States as far as wow. like, people coming through. Okay, I didn't know um, that. Okay. You know, and I don't remember how many vendors here. There's probably 300 plus vendors here. Mm-hmm. But um, we're excited to be back um, repping the Coast Brigade and glad, to, glad we got to meet you here last year. Thank, yep, so. yep, very good. Well, we're, we're here in booth number 143, I think it is, as you come in the doors, go far left where yep. the seminars are. Yeah. We so. did our seminar yesterday for everybody. That went real well. Um, we got compliments on that, throwing the big flies in here, throw it up in the ceiling, trying to catch, pop some of the lights with the flies. I know, man. It was pretty cool. I yeah. didn't get I didn't yeah, get it was cool. You had a whole little groupie section follow you back to the booth <laughs> over there. After I think the, they wanted my the fly. Thing. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, well, cool, man. Derek, we'll we'll uh, throw a bunch brother. of stuff on here. All right, man. I appreciate you being Thank on, you. buddy. Handshakes, right. handshakes. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Steven. Thank you, brother. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you.
I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.